This episode of Crossing Broadcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and the fine folks at Odd Logic Brewing Company. Located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA, Odd Logic Brewing Company is the best place to go watch your Philly teams and get a delicious beer. In fact, last weekend, they had one of the tastiest sounding beers going. It was called the Dessert for Thought Cinnabon. It was a 9% stout with cinnamon and Madagascar vanilla beans. And you know what? If you haven't been out to Odd Logic Brewing Company, there's no better time to go out than this Friday night as we take Snow the Goalie and the Press Road Show out to Odd Logic Brewing Company for a watch party live show. The Flyers return from the All-Star break and their league-mandated bye week to take on their cross-state rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Fresh off of a 3-0 home win over the Penguins, gotta see if the guys in orange and black are able to carry that momentum through the break and come out in Pittsburgh with a win. So come on out to Odd Logic Brewing Company this Friday. We'll have plenty of fun things going on out there. And get out. Make sure you try some of their delicious beers. Plus, they have nitro cold brew coffee on tap and handcrafted cocktails. So come on out to Odd Logic Brewing Company this Friday. Big thank you to them as always. And now, Crossing Broadcast. Oh, yes. Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia, and it is a rip-roaring good time that we're looking to have tonight, although the mood is kind of dampered a bit. Um, obviously, the news that broke over the weekend that um, Lower Marion Zone and, and NBA great Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven other passengers on that helicopter very clearly um, left the the area in shock, left fans of the league and of basketball as a whole in shock. And uh, we'll, we'll lead with that, and we'll get back to this a, a little bit later in the show. We're going to be talking to um, Bob Jones. Bob Jones, who played for Pencrest back in high school, uh, took on Kobe Bryant, has uh, some pretty cool stories to share about what it was like to go up against a, a young Kobe Bryant in high school. Uh, just really quickly... Kevin, I'm going to go over to you first. Kevin Kincaid, follow him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. What thoughts? Thoughts on Kobe? Thoughts on Kobe? God, where? I mean, I mean, where do you even start? Um, you know, as a Lower Marion guy, um, I remember I never got to see him play with Lower Marion, but my mom did because she was the uh, cheerleading coach at Perk Valley, and Perk Valley always. Uh, Perfect. I went down there and played down there one year, and I remember her saying that she had a chance to watch um, to watch Kobe, and she said, "This guy is is different. This guy is the real deal. Uh, this guy's going to be something special." <laughs> and it, it was. I mean, when you when you would when you go back and you look at his high school highlight tapes, I mean, it just it just looked like he was playing a different game than everybody else. You know yeah. I mean, he looked like he was just like a, I know the phrase. Man, man among boys is overused or whatever, but that's exactly what it was. And you know what the most fascinating thing about that was to me is that when when he comes straight from high school to the NBA, he's not doing it as some like six ten like freak a- athlete. You know, I mean, he's doing it as a as a guard. 
I mean, when when do you, how often did, did did that happen? That never happened, you know. Yeah. Um, just how far ahead he was at the time. I mean, the amount of preparation that he put into it, the stories that you hear about him working at the gym first thing in the morning, going out and uh, you know working with guys like Mark Jackson, going to Temple, you know, working out with six, Sixers guys, having connections with the Sixers. I mean, everybody that they, everybody that you asked, uh, Brett Brown said this today. Tobias Harris said this today. Al Horford said this today over at the practice facility. Um, it was just the preparation, the the commitment to it, and the attention to detail. And <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a, a master of the craft. You know, he really was. And uh, God, I mean, you know, when you think about his game, try to like describe. I mean, describe Kobe as a player. I mean, he could go. He could play from the elbow. He could play from the perimeter. He could go down on the baseline. He could work from the block. I mean, he really had this amazing, well-rounded game. You know, he could score from anywhere. He looked a lot like Jordan at times, didn't he? You know, some of those turnaround mm-hmm. contested two-pointers and stuff like that. I mean, it was just like, I, I don't know, in a way, it felt like it was a privilege to watch him at times. You know, I mean, from from those those highlights at Lower Marion to his time at the Lakers and whatnot. But, but um, I mean, just the 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 commitment to excellence and and not uh, you're not you know refusing to accept anything less than that. I mean, that's something that you can apply to anything that you do. I mean, he he nobody. You can't say that anybody wanted it any any more than he did, you know. Anthony. Well, I I'm, you know, I covered high school basketball at the Delaware County Daily Times, but it was just after uh Kobe left uh Lower Marion. Not that Lower Marion's in Delaware County, but they play in the Central League which has eight Delaware County schools. So, I've covered a lot of Lower Marion basketball in my time, but it was just after Kobe. So, I didn't get to see Kobe in person as a high school player. Obviously got to see him in person as a professional, a uh, handful of games that I've covered over the years for the Associated Press. Um, and I, I specifically remember one game against the Sixers that he just took over the game in Philadelphia, and the Lakers won the game, and Kobe was just sensational just watching him there. I think in my lifetime, probably the second best NBA player I've seen. Who's number one? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, and they're, yeah. They're, it's close. Yeah. It's really close. But I I would say Kobe was, was number two, and – to have to have this happen the way that it did, um, I, you know, I think back to a lot of former athletes dying in unexpected ways, or even celebrities dying unexpectedly, and this one just seems to be a little bit more transcendent. Maybe it's because it's in the moment, but I think that he had a an international um, mm-hmm. appeal more than anyone else that may have died tragically in in the social media age he's getting tributes on the field from guys like neymar yeah who was an international superstar ronaldo cristiano ronaldo is going on twitter saying things about him i mean i and that's it's not only for the fact that he was a soccer fan and he spent some time in italy like there was huge international feedback just just for his what he did in basketball yeah you know regardless of like the fact that he lived over in europe and had like that kind of international um part of his life you know what i mean but yes it was so wide-ranging man i mean the the variety of tributes and stuff that you got you know apparently there's a um social media channel that's in china that's different from here but it's kind of like twitter okay i forget what it's called Mm -hmm. off the top of my head but the post announcing his death has since uh, since yesterday 2.2 billion 
views. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that doesn't surprise me at all. Two point <laughs> two billion I know, views. I that's know. Un, that's an incredible number. Well, and like the the circumstances surrounding his death too. I mean, when you it, when you think about it. Even if you, I think a lot of people are able to relate to it and able to have emotions connected to it, even if you don't know the first thing about basketball. Because here's a guy who was, the reason he traveled via helicopter is because he wanted to spend more time with his kids. Mm -hmm. And they were on their way to a basketball game. Um, His daughter was also killed, uh, Gianna. On their way to a basketball game. Some of her teammates were were, uh, in the helicopter too. But... um, you know, anybody's anybody who's a parent is able to make a connection to God. You know, he's got he the, the family lost a, you have three surviving daughters that lost a sister, lost their dad. You know, a wife who's a widow now. Um, she also lost a daughter. I mean, and everybody you add that layer to it, and it made it relatable for for sure. everybody. Whether you're a basketball fan, whether you're not a basketball fan, right. whether you were a just an AC Milan soccer person who knew that Kobe liked your team and paid attention to him a little bit and you knew who he was, or if you're just a, a parent in general. Um, I think that's why it just kind of hit the the way it did, and especially for him to be, you know, the, the night before LeBron is here in Philadelphia and passes him f- on, for, on, for third on the scoring charts yeah. to make it even more of a – like visceral kind of thing like holy crap this is just, i mean kobe and, was and, just in and the what news kind of cycle. and what kind of helicopter was it um sikorsky, sikorsky uh, b7 um s76 76 yeah right i yeah. mean it's so it's just yeah. so weird how all that kind yeah, of I, I know yeah if you're like kind of a believer in all the all these <laughs> like uh s- you know circum yeah. circumstance kind of kind of coming together or whatever i know it was yeah. just strange when you think about it but um there, you know and it and it was you know, another discussion for another time or maybe for later in the podcast or whatever. But of course it was kind of, I think in that moment it was very, uh, you know, you can say a lot of things about Twitter in general, about how people react to these things and the rush to report well, that's, stuff that was just totally in, incorrect. And, yeah. and I mean, it was just like, you're, you're watching a tragedy unfold here and you got these complications with people reporting information that's wrong. You got speculation that Rick Fox is in there. You yeah. have somebody slipping up and saying that all well, four, that, of, and four that, of his daughters were in that, there. That, to me, I think is the the biggest tragedy to come out of the way that the things were reported yesterday is Matt Gutman from ABC goes on. They they cut into the Pro Bowl, and it wasn't an immediate cut in. A lot of people were tweeting at ESPN saying, "How could you still be doing the Pro Bowl? Why is there not even a lower Chiron saying that Kobe was killed?" And a lot of people initially defended the network and said. Well, they, they want to get it right before they do anything. So it goes to commercial, comes out. And, and Matt Gutman goes on and, and does like a solid job of reporting what had happened. But towards the end, he drops the tidbit that Owen and his four daughters were on board, which immediately then set everything ablaze because everybody's worried now. Oh, my God. Like the, the initial report was that Kobe's wife, Vanessa, was not on the plane. They have a seven-month-old daughter. So to me, conceptually, the idea that she isn't on there meant that at least that child is safe. And Matt Gutman, by virtue of whether it was a slip up, whether it was bad information, there was this silence from ABC News in the immediate aftermath of that up until 20, 25, 30, I think it was almost 45 minutes later where it was finally confirmed that three of the daughters weren't on the plane, but the 13-year-old yeah, yeah. Gianna was on there. That silence was deafening. And, and this is part of the problem with 
the immediate need to report news to be the first versus being right. And I'm guilty of this all the time. I, I, I know. Gonna, I was just I, saying, I, I'm, listening I'm to Russ tell us I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Yeah, but it's, it's not like lives hanging in you're the right. You're right. You're 100% I'm always, correct. I'm always really excited when, when we have information like i i want to i want to throw it out and i try to convince anthony all the time like hey you got to go with this like the social media age it's gonna it's gonna catch and it's gonna be awesome to be on the front end of this but when you're talking about life and death like this being wrong like that i I think the most tragic part of this is that gianna bryant her memory and and the the loss of her life is almost muted because it came as a relief to a lot of people in that yeah, there's people were like, oh, oh, oh my God, all four yes. daughters are yeah, dead. Yeah, and yeah. then it was, uh, well, it was just one. Just one as if that's not a tragic loss of life. Well, I mean, you and, gotta... so, and so this bad reporting or bad information that was run with, I think, ends up really... In the moment it does, it, for sure. It, it, it really hurts. For sure. I think, well, we... I, I think Gianna's story gets told eventually. It will. I think that they yeah. did a much better job obviously you know 18 hours removed from it there was an amazing interview this morning with the father of one of the other yeah. uh, code uh, female CBS, basketball coaches CBS who, was, who was on and like and i'm just sitting here thinking man as somebody who has ptsd from nine years of working in television news i could see the like nightmare unfolding in front of my face here you know everything was great 18 hours passed you know but it's like you look at to the point, I think I think Russ kind of uh, touched on this a little bit too. You, we live in a world now where we kind of elevate these guys like the Adam Schefters of the world and the Ian Rappaports of the world, guys who do great work. And normally they're very, very accurate. But at the same time, it's like when Woj breaks something, it's like everybody goes onto Twitter and they do the like, well, Woj first, you know, Woj bomb, yeah. Woj whatever the mm-hmm. hell, you know, or Shams said this or something like this. And it's like, we elevate newsbreakers kind of even higher than what you know journalists and great sports writers are Correct. these days you yep. know it's we yep. we look at those people as more of like we put them on a higher pedestal than we do like a great i don't know how I many like a great column writer or something you know what i mean so we we can't sit here and complain about TMZ breaking this before the family is even notified and then turn around at the same time and say wow Adam Schefter's always on top of it you know because while those guys are accurate, I mean, he, he, in a case like this, where it's something serious and we're not talking about like an injury or a trade or some, you know, yeah. um, trivial sports related thing, we we do kind of glorify that kind of re- reporting now where we're in an yep. age where we're all on our phones and it's digital and it's the first person. And, you know, news directors are under pressure from general sales managers and people who run these TV stations that says, why aren't we on this? Why don't we have this? You know, I used to sit there in the newsroom at Channel 3 and we'd watch the news you'd have a quad screen where it had abc fox nbc and cbs all on there and somebody would the news director somebody would come around the corner and they'd be looking at they'd be watching abc and they're they'd be watching action news and they'd come out and say why don't we have this you know then you're scrambling to get out there and do something that you don't really have total confirmation on you're not exactly sure what's going on and then you get stressed out and you you make mistakes and you report something that's not true you know we got we've got we got sued so many times at eyewitness news that i can't even like you just lose track of it. But I think the point being is we, li- we live, you know, we, c- we can't sit here and say, well, TMZ this and these people that and, and blah, 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 and then go ahead and, like, glorify these other guys at the same time. Let's go to Andrew on the phone. Andrew wants to talk about Kobe. Andrew, you're on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN. 
Hey guys, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on real quick, man. The guys, I mean, I'm a Sixer fan till I die, okay? But just, I'd like to say my condolences to Kobe's family and all the victims real quick. I mean, it's just a tragedy, man. But I, I just like to appreciate greatness, man. And being able to say that I got the chance to watch him play. I was at the finals games when they played the Sixers. And just, I mean, it hurt to lose as a Sixer fan. But just seeing greatness, like... You know, when you got one name that's just like synonymous with a sport like Kobe with basketball, Tiger, it's just like being being able to say I got to watch these guys. I'm I'm happy, man. I mean, I mean, it's sad that the world lost like a great person and everything, and all the victims and everything. But this guy just was he's like class from bone to bone, man. And like everything he did, like his work ethic and everything is like something to be proud of. And like he was a human being, just a great guy, man. It's sad that the world lost like such a great person is such so young yeah and, and you're it's a good point you make there andrew i think one of the things you know we talk you know kevin and i were talking earlier about you know how great of a basketball player he was but but there's a lot that he's done since he's retired that's really been you know i don't want to say it's been overlooked but it's obviously overshadowed by his basketball career but i mean the guy he wins an academy award for for a movie yeah. he uh he created that basketball academy that really further i mean it's for both boys and girls but he's really furthered and championed uh girls basketball and women's basketball women's uh, sports in general and women's sports in ge- yeah in general right he was, he was one of, and, and and kevin and i obviously care more about this than than anybody but on the soccer side of things, like he championed for and and kind of went to bat for the women's national team. And guys, yeah, real he, quick, if I can, yeah, man, sure. Uh, I made a point of picking up the Daily News and the Inquirer today, man. I just felt like, as much as I'm a Sixer fan, like I needed to have both copies of the paper, man. And I just yeah. like they just they did a fantastic job with the picture on the front page of the Daily News of Kobe. It's just like I felt the need to just have the paper, man. Like. I know he would never played for the Sixers, but he's a Philly guy, man. And it, like, it sucks to lose good people like that. It's so young, and I can't imagine losing a daughter. And you know what I mean, or what his family's going through right now. I, I just can't even imagine it, man. Like, I mean, God, my family, like, is my mother and father are still alive, but I can't even imagine growing up and not having a father. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I can't even. Uh, I'm speechless. I don't. It's, I mean, I just. I don't know. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's tough, Andrew. Thanks, thanks, thanks for the call. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is what people are dealing with, you know. I mean, you know, that's why I was saying, like, the, like I feel like this is a little bit more transcendent than most. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, on the topic of what he was doing after retirement, um, you know, you you take what his his work ethic and how much he put into basketball, and you know that he was going to apply that to whatever he did after basketball, mm-hmm. and it's like. It's disappointing that you're never going to see how that would have turned out. You know, I yeah. think Brett Brown said something to that effect today. I mean, Brett Brett shared a great story where he said that uh, during Kobe's uh, farewell tour, I guess it was 2016. I think I want to say the, like the first road game they played was in Philadelphia that year, and he said that he spent four, Kobe spent 45 minutes just sitting in Brett Brown's office, uh, talking to him before the game, and uh, he said that Brett said that he asked him about life after after basketball, and he talked about animation and he was interested in doing uh you know some some film stuff and uh helping with children's literacy i think and you know there's a great quote about him having uh this is separate from the story now but a great quote about him uh not having a son and saying like do you need a son to carry on your legacy he said no i mean my daughter's great great at basketball you know so i have that um but yeah you do feel like it's it's a chapter that's never really going to be written and you're kind of robbed of that just to see what um, to see what could have happened there, but I, I I always found 
the lower Marion thing interesting because we we've you know make such a big friggin' deal about Phil. This guy's a Philly guy. This guy's not a Philly guy. Philly tough four for four this region and all this stuff. And uh, you know, Co- Kobe had kind of a. I mean, look, let's be honest. Like a lot of people don't look at like the main line, lower Marion, upper Marion, that area necessarily. It's it's kind of seen as a little bit. You know, you have a little bit more money. You live up there. It's not. You know, he didn't. He did not come from a from a street background, you know, he was in Europe for a while. He had a different kind of, uh, of upbringing. He was raised in a different, different situation culturally, you know? And so people always kind of like argued that fact. Is he really a Philly guy? Is he not a Philly guy? But he had, he, all these, we have that, we throw that stupid thing out there, but all the traits that you would expect to see from a quote unquote Philly guy. I mean, the guy was like tough as nails. Yeah. He was a winner. Yeah. He worked his butt off. So, I mean, to me, that says more than, like, what what geographically, like, if he was yeah. in the city limits or not in the city limits. Well, you got to remember, you got to remember, he was also kind of criticized. I mean, you know, he took Brandy to his <laughs> senior yeah. prom, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, like, there was a lot of... There was a lot of resentment for that. Like, I mean, here is a kid at a public school in the Philadelphia area yes. who's got access. It's not like it was some kind of goof <laughs> goof that he did, like threw it out on social media because it didn't exist back then. Yeah, yeah you know, to yeah. say, hey, you know, I'd love for you to come to the prom and Brandy threw him a solid. Like, like that was actually he. Like, it was a thing. Was a thing. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not Kyle Lowry growing up at twenty second and Lehigh right. or whatever it is. You right. know, and. Right. Uh, but but still, I mean, I, I he had the traits that would would typically define you know what makes that person that person. You yeah. Know? So I don't. I, I and I know he took. There's some things he said in the media back then. It was kind of a weird. I, I mean, it's kind of. I was only a teenager back then, but I remember. I think people have to remember like Allen Iverson was loved. Yep. At that time, so even when Kobe came back here, he was he was he would have always been number number two. To, to AI and fandom anyway, regardless right. of him being here. So I think it was it's some of a little bit of it was lower Marion, a little bit of it was that LA was like Hollywood, right? And not people couldn't make a connection to that. But it also a lot of it was also because we had a guy in Allen Iverson that everybody loved, and, and so Kobe always took a backseat. And then there were two know? other things that happened almost simultaneously. Um, in 2001 finals, obviously the Sixers are playing the Lakers. Yes, it's AI against Kobe. I know what you're going to say. Uh, and Co- well, first thing that happens is is that Kobe says we're going to we're going to cut, cut their cut, cut their, their hearts, hearts out. out. Yep. Okay, which yep. is obviously that you know Philadelphia people take that the wrong way. And yeah, then yeah. People, you have people remember that quote like for the for the rest of days. It's like Brett Brett Brown and star hunting. It's like right. Uh, you know, well, but then you have Donovan playing the air guitar. Then you have um, Destiny's Child singing the national anthem or whatever at the finals in the Sixers game, and she's wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey, Lakers jersey. <laughs> so now you've really kind of it, – it's like gone off the chart, now, right? Now you've done it. Yeah. yeah so I think yeah. that that's the thing. I mean, I think that's kind of – I think that that kind of was the nail in the coffin for him. And, yeah, of course he was booed every time he came back here until the end of his but career. But that was better. I, I'm trying to think, like, what was – well, there was, what, what changed in that regard? I mean, obviously, if, you know – Allen Iverson wasn't in the picture. He kind of wised up and matured, especially after the the sexual assault and the and the the rape case and that whole thing yeah. was settled. He was a different person in general, and I, I don't know. Maybe and once maybe, he separated from Shaq, that also helped. Once him he separated too. from Shaq, yeah. I mean, something something. I think all of that was part of like a maturing process yeah. because when all that stuff was going on back then, I mean, he was in his twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was only forty one years old. As of 2020, so back then he was what 20, 
you know, 27, 28, you know, even his mid twenties or whatever. So his attitude did, yeah, towards the city did change and the city's attitude towards him change. did change yeah. to the point where he got a really nice send off, you know, four years ago or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I remember more than anything. I mean, I just remember the 81 point game. Oh, against the Raptors. Against the Raptors, yeah. And uh, a yeah. trivia question for you. It was on Crossing Broad today. Can you name the second highest scorer on the Lakers roster that night? I read it, so I can't say. Did, can you name it, Russ? Russ? I can just give a little <laughs> He's just bit like of, looking at me. Look, I give it Let's a little give me some dead air here. Who was number two on the it Lakers? Was, uh, number this, the on the eight when Kobe scored eighty-one points that night. Who scored the second most points? What year the was Lakers? that? Two thousand six. Six. Twenty oh six. That was before our test. Uh, could that have could that have been a uh, that wasn't a Brian Shaw? No, it was Smush Parker. Smush, Smush Parker. Yeah. Parker. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, the Lakers weren't very good. That they did go to the playoffs. I think that year, but playoffs. they weren't. They were not. Yeah, yeah. Playoff, playoffs. But and I, I just remember. I think the next day, I remember uh, like Stuart Scott like was mate was was born to do that. Well, you know, what, you know what really. you know what I remember about that day was that was I believe the conference championship games. In the, in the NFL, and that led oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. led Sports Center. Like yeah, Kobe, it was January. Kobe, Kobe's eighty-one point game was what led Sports Center over the AFC and NFC championship. And it was like and a, the, it was like a five-minute yeah. long reel, too, which, which in like in, in 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 I guess in sport, in ESPN is different, but like in a typical like broadcast, like five five minutes is unheard of, right? Because you only have a news hole that's like eighteen minutes. In, I mean, in length, imagine yeah. that. I mean, you're talking about the two teams that are going to go to the Super Bowl, and their their conference championship wins have been preempted by by five minutes to by a five minute yeah. package about a well, regular season NBA game. And here we are, and obviously different circumstances here, but it's Super Bowl week, and where yeah. you thought and where you would imagine <laughs> yeah. that that the conversation would be all about. The, uh, about the Super Bowl this week. Instead, it's yeah. every every network, yeah. and it wasn't just sports. Every network, yes, of any news, it, it has imp- it has replaced the, imp- the impeachment, with, yeah, in I mean, a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It got a bit bu- it, bumped it, that that off of the networks. And when I, when I say news hole, by the way, like when you if you watch like a half hour news broadcast, like the news, you know, news, weather, sports, whatever the heck, it's a thirty minute slot, right? But when you factor in like the commercials and all that crap, you you parse it down to how much content you're actually putting out there it's typically only like 17 or 18 minutes so if you if you spent that much time on one story during like a typical broadcast i mean it's like an immense it's an immense amount of time but for like Stuart scott was just like ripping through that and it was just like i remember watching that like uh in college all the, all the dudes sitting around the dorms were a bunch of losers sitting around watching yeah. on our like crappy tv in the dorms i was like man this is like something else well i i think i think we're good to go now um on the line We've got Bob Jones, who played against Kobe uh, back in high school when Pencrest played uh, Lower Marion. Now joining us on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia uh, is a guy named Bob Jones. Uh, Bob played against Kobe Bryant-Russ back in high school when Kobe was at Lower Marion. Uh, Bob played at Pencrest High School, uh, one of Delco's finest institutions <laughs> um and uh and uh, so that's they play in the central league so it's kind of like a, a rivalry thing but of course you know back when kobe was at lower marion 
it, no matter wherever you, you know whenever he would come to the visiting gym it was it was a whole different experience whatsoever so i figured it'd be really kind of cool to check out uh some reminiscence of of kobe from his high school days and that's why i got bob on the phone so bob thanks for joining us here today no, thanks for having me, Anthony. Yeah, you got it. Uh, first of all, I, I mean, obviously the news is shocking to everybody yesterday. Um, can you tell us, you know, how you found out about it? What were you doing? What, what did you? How did you find out about yeah. Uh, Kobe? Yeah, it was shocking. I was I was just at home actually with the kids. Um, I got a text from one of my buddies from college uh, with like a you know Kobe passed away question mark exclamation point, and I was I you know I was like no way no way. So I go on social media. I didn't see anything initially and then saw a couple of reports on, on Twitter. And I, I was just the same thing. I just, it just can't be, I just uh, did not believe it. And then once we got more information, it was just, you know, just horrible tragedy and just uh, really sad uh, the whole, you know, rest of the day talking with a lot of people um, about it. It was just, it was just horrible. Yeah. And, it, and it's sad for everybody, but I mean, you know, for somebody like you, I mean, you obviously have uh, a connection, albeit a small one, but a connection nevertheless yep. in the fact that you, you played against him in high school. Does that make it any different? You know, it makes you feel like it's yeah. a little bit more closer to home? Well, it, it kind of does, only because, t- to your point, I had a couple of my aunts and uncles reach out to me specifically because, you know, as they think of Kobe, they, they remember that. They remember, you know, either going to the game um, or, uh, you know, we've talked about it several times, too. Um, so it, I, I do feel like there is that kind of a, a connection there, even though we only played, you know, that one game uh, that I really remember. Um, and yeah, so it was, it did make it a little bit more difficult for sure. What was that uh, anticipation like at the time getting ready to play? Cause I mean, obviously, you know, he was, right. he, everybody knew who he was and everybody knew he yep. was going to be a pro, right? So here you are, you're, you're a high school, were you, is that your senior year? Your sophomore. Junior? So- oh, you sophomore. were a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. All right, so your yeah, sophomore yeah. year, uh, what was that like? I mean, to, to the anticipation of going, getting ready to play Kobe Bryant in a, in a high school basketball. You know, game. it was it was uh, there was a lot of anticipation. It was, I think, a lot different than if it was today, um, because you have all the social media and you have all the videos you can watch. And for me, what what we had a lot of word of mouth, and then even in the uh, they weren't even really in the Delco Times too much. It was a lot of the Inquirer coverage. So um, I, I read a lot just going through the newspaper uh, and then just word of mouth. And then, um, you know, as we heard, you know, looking at the schedule, um, thinking about that, especially that home game, uh, there was a lot of anticipation there and really just a lot of energy looking forward to, uh, to that, having that experience to, to play against him. Now that Pencrest gym is a cozy gym. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, I've been in it. I mean, it's a cozy gym. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it is. I got to imagine it was pretty packed that night. It was um, OK. So standing room only for sure. <laughs> um, and what they did is they're actually due to the I guess the, the projected parking. What they did is they ended up closing down the parking lot once it got to uh, a certain level. And they I don't think they had signs out that people had to park at the uh, Granite Run Mall. So so people couldn't park there. And then what they did is they had buses. So they would bus people from the Granite Run Mall to Pencrest wow. to get them in. And then they also opened up under one of the baskets, there was like a, um, like a gym and a wrestling mat and everything back there. So they opened up, there was like a tarp that covered that up. So they opened it and they put additional seats under there that are, you know, have never been there. So you have the bleachers, 
plus they added seats uh, just for this game. So it was it was something else. That's crazy. Can you imagine that, Russ? Sounds like a uh, a rock star kind of uh, atmosphere, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because you know I know you're saying that that your uh, arena was was pretty intimate. Um, I grew up in Pottsville, where we had Martz Hall, which is one of the the largest um, high school gyms in the entire state. Seating capacity somewhere around four thousand or so, depending on if they brought in the uh, additional bleachers for roller derby. And when <laughs> when when Kobe. Uh, when Kobe came to play, it was a playoff game. They played Stroudsburg. It was in 96. Uh, not to make anybody here feel old. I was five years old at the time. <laughs> but when oh. when Kobe came to town, that was one of the biggest stories that, that came in. Because you'd always get excited. Like, I remember Syracuse, I think, came in, I don't know, sometime in the, in the 2000s. I think McNamara was the— Yeah, right. Was, Jerry, right Jerry, yeah. Jerry McNamara, McNamara. Yeah. And that was, like, a big deal. But it paled in comparison to that game in, in 96 when— when everybody, it, it was almost like a living legend was on his way up, even though he's just a high school player. And even at that point, I think they had over 3,000 people in the arena that night just to watch Kobe. And I, I've got to think that the atmosphere playing against him, that had to be one of, I would assume, the highlights of your playing career, right? It is, is having a packed yeah, gym, and, right? It really was, yeah. And the thing that year, I mean, I was a sophomore, so I, I didn't get a, a ton of time that year, but it ended up uh, that day or that night I did just because, you know, the starting center at that point, I think, got into foul trouble early. Um, so that just kind of – that's something we talk about too with the family and, and Anthony, whenever you want to get into the game itself. But yeah. um, I ended up – I did end up getting some uh, some quality minutes uh, that game, which made it even even more memorable. So, so before let's but let's kind of get closer to that. What was the what was the game plan? Like, what was what was what did the coach say to you guys? <laughs> what was the game plan for playing against Kobe Bryant? Yeah. Um, so he we, we we talked obviously a lot about it. We were we were going to try to um, we we're going to go man to man, and we knew that he was going to beat anybody uh, who was going to cover him. So we we're going to try to help out. He also, the coach also talked about something that we didn't talk a lot about back then, which was, you know, looking out for, uh, for alley-oop plays. We didn't have a, we didn't get a lot of alley-oops and a lot of dunks back uh, in the Central League uh, in 96. So uh, that was something that a lot of us were not that used to. Uh, and he was trying to kind of tell us how to, how to defend that and use your body and, and position, but um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot different talking about it than uh, when you're on the court trying to defend that. So, I mean, I think the game plan going is we, we knew we were going to have obviously our hands full and we were going to try our best to contain him as much as possible and then try to let some of the other players um, see if they could step up. Um, but, you know, easier said than done. I know we're kind of relitigating the past here, uh, but at the time, seeing the kind of atmosphere that was around him, Knowing how big he was, especially in this region of the state, but really statewide, he, he was well-known. Were you surprised? I, I know that, that AI was a Georgetown star, but w- was there any thought, at least in, in the people that you went to school with and in your community, that the Sixers didn't seem to give him a, a bigger look at number one? And have you ever kind of run that hypothetical in your mind of what would the Sixers have looked like if they had Kobe instead of AI? Yeah. It is something I think we talked uh, a lot about, you know, my buddies and uh, planning against them. It's, it, it was, it's a tough comparison only because it's not like we played against that caliber of talent to try to compare him 
to other people who were at that level. I mean, we knew what we knew based on playing him. And I, you know, just that one game and not really seeing a lot of his other, you know, other games live, we knew he was really good. Uh, but to try to compare him to top college players that are already playing at that next level, that was, I think, where we had a little bit of the unknown. Um, but but in dra- if the Sixers were in the mix there to be able to get him, I know, like you said, it was the number one pick with AI and everything, but that is something I think would have been really, really special uh, if that was able to happen. It's just at that point in time, I don't think we knew enough of trying to get him in that group and we were trying try, you know, I had to trust the, trust the process, uh, with the, uh, you know, with the, with the front office and what their due diligence to get, to get the right guy. All right, Bob. So how did the, uh, how did the game play out? I mean, so who, who won? Did Pencrest win or Lower Marion win? <laughs> Lower Marion won. Lower Marion won the game. That's an easy one. That's the easy one, right? But, and, yeah. and Kobe, and Kobe had a pretty good game, right? He did. So Kobe ended up, uh, I think he ended up with 28 and probably three quarters. I don't even think he played uh, a full four-quarter game. But some of that, I'll, I'll say this. In the first quarter, uh, I think we ended up either being tied after the first quarter or, you know, down one or something. But uh, that was kind of shocking early on. Like, man, we're, we can actually, we're playing. We're, we're, we can play with these guys. Um, but that didn't uh, didn't last throughout the, the remainder of the game. Uh, now, so Kobe Kobe obviously gets all the headlines, but I, y- yeah. it turns out you actually had a pretty decent game in that game, right? I mean, considering you I weren't did. expected yeah, yeah. you weren't expected to play uh, at least not right. a lot of minutes, and then but then you much, pl- yeah. yeah, you ended up playing and you ended up having a good game, right? Yeah, I think I had uh, you know I don't know something between like eight and ten points, which uh, sophomore not playing too much, I was happy with that. Uh, had some good, you know, uh, a couple blocks. I had an opportunity, fast break, where I probably could have dunked it, and I because the adrenaline. Um, and I was up right. there, and I could have dropped it in the basket. So looking back, it's one of my regrets. If I got a dunk in the game against Kobe, that would have been pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was just, just I mean, the the atmosphere in there um, was just incredible. Um, and uh, you know, I remember one of the the one play was he um, there was a fast break. And it, it, he, he stole a pass. He's going down half court and the place went silent it, for how loud it was. How many people in there? Once he went in the air silent, he did kind of like a tomahawk one hand and boom, you know, dunked it down and the place went nuts. And then I look up and there's some, some dust particles and stuff falling from the ceiling. I swear to God, because nobody, because like, nobody had dunked the ball in that gym in forty years, <laughs> Not right? For a little while, not that hard, not that hard. That's sure. All right, final thing I want to, I want, I want to throw at you because I know we had talked about this off air. So you know, you had a decent game in that game, and you know, obviously, you know, your family was probably pretty stoked about it. Here's Bob playing against Kobe Bryant. You got a videotape yeah. of it, right? And and then what happened? Oh boy. Um, this is hard. It's hard to talk about. But it's, it's a true story. So uh, in that game, I also did get. I, so I blocked a shot. I blocked Kobe's shot. Oh. They called a. Uh, they called a body foul on me. They said, you know, I I bumped into him, and um, and I, I I was on the ground. He reached down. He 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 uh, helped me up. Slapped me on my behind and said, Hey, that's a nice block, man. So like, so so that's part of the play that part of the game I didn't talk about yet. So. The, my dad's there. Um, he's got a big, you know, the big video camera. Um, and it's funny. You watch the footage and since it's him kind of rooting for me and, 
and trying to videotape. You know, a lot of it wasn't the, the most clear uh, footage because he's kind of all, all over the place. But my uncle, who had lived in Arizona at the time, came over uh, afterwards. And my dad's all proud uh, and, you know, wanted to show the video of Bobby playing against Kobe. And, you know, so they sit down in the, in the living room and they put the VHS tape in. They're watching it. Unbelievable. You know, everything's great. They leave the, the tape in the VCR. Um, and the next day, let's say it's a Monday, uh, my mom uh, watches General Hospital. Oh, yes. She's, she's at work, and so is my dad. And guess what? General Hospital is a tape every day from 3 to 4. We're going to record General Hospital. And it recorded over the tape. They didn't tell me about it for a couple of years after that because they were trying. They were calling Coach Downey over at Laura Marion. They're calling Pencrest. Do you guys have any video? And back then, there wasn't a lot of, you know, every game wasn't video like it is today. They never could find it, so it is gone. Bob, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this, and I've never talked about this on the air before, but I, I was traumatized as a, as a child because my second or third birthday at the time, one of the best shows for kids was Lamb Chop. And the same thing happened. The Young and the Restless and the Bold and the Beautiful were recorded over my second birthday party. And and that has I've carried that with me my entire life, but now, unfortunately for you, I, I'm now feel like that burden has been lifted off my shoulders because that is so much worse. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm uh, glad I could help you out in that capacity. But yeah, thank you. Thank I you so much. My parents trouble about uh to this day because oh, absolutely. i could show my kids that video and my buddy you know it's just uh unbelievable that's but, a free hey, pass at that point do? for like asking for anything in your life from that point on <laughs> right Great. i like that hey can i, I can like i borrow it. the car like you turned 16 hey can i borrow the car uh yeah remember that time hey mom remember that time you uh you recorded over the highlight of my life I hope that General Hospital episode was worth it. Thanks, Mom. That's fantastic. Listen, Bob, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and uh, you know, reminiscing about Kobe with us today uh, and telling some great stories, some great anecdotes. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, and I'll uh, talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you guys. All thanks, right. Bob. Take care. Big thank you, as always. Uh, you know, Bob Jones was a really, really great moment we had there with him. And, uh, yeah. VC- stuff, VCRs, man. <laughs> VCRs. Been there, done that. I'm so glad that VCRs are gone. Anyway, uh, real quick break to hear from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. When we come back, we'll uh, get into some Philly sports on the other side. You're listening to Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And the big game is upon us. We are down to the final two teams. There is so little time left in the season, so don't miss out get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app with so much going on over the next two weeks DraftKings has great promotions running every day from odds boosts to free bets they have it all and on the big game bet on any star player to score the first TD of the game with 10 to 1 odds it doesn't get better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date 
right now. You don't want to miss this. It's a call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. That's CROSSINGBROAD. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that Code is crossing broad, and you can get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back here on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Um, I mentioned in, in that... Uh, interview with Bob Jones about what it was like to be a kid in Pottsville uh, you know the games at Mart's Hall where yeah. you know that that place and and it depends uh, schools from this area when they get to go and play up there they talk about you know, how l- great listen, how amazing listen, of an experience it, it actually is. is because listen <laughs> if you go up to Pottsville and, and I, I love my hometown but you go up there and and like there there are some good restaurants like there are some things moving in which yeah. is nice but like yeah. that that area in general Schuylkill County like it, it it's rough Right, uh, coal. It's, the coal. The the coal industry left and, and never came back. It's a little but, rugged. Yeah. But that's as blue collar as it gets. It is blue and, collar. And and I I do remember as a little kid hearing this about this basketball player. I don't remember if I heard the name Kobe or not. But the the town was really uh, excited about it. I and it kind of hit me when this news came out about Kobe. And, and we're gonna move on from this in a moment. But when Kobe retired, I was twenty five years old. I spent. <laughs> I spent four fifths yep. of my. I spent eighty percent of my life with Kobe Bryant as an NBA player, and so when when the news broke yesterday, I felt like it, it like kind of hit me at a level that I I have never experienced a a celebrity or an athlete passing away. It, it like it struck me in in this weird well, way. Well, he played for yeah, and he played for so long too because yeah. he, because he went straight to the NBA. You know, yep. when you're looking back at his career, you're like, God, he, I mean, like look, I'm looking at this is a ton. This is like almost 20 years worth. You know, I mean, we're not up to like uh, Vince Vince Carter uh, kind of kind of uh, career lengths. But let me make one Kobe uh, one final Kobe point, if I might. Some of these people want to go on Twitter within like an hour, two hours, three hours of the guy's death. And they want to bring up the sex assault or the time he used the gay slur uh, towards the referee, um, which he later, uh, you know, corrected. And he did some some research and work to kind of show that he was changing uh, his views on that and how he approached that. Well, the point the point being is, like, if that's the first thing that's comes to your mind when a guy dies, leaves behind three daughters. A he wife, dies with his daughter. Dies with his daughter. And you can feel however you want to feel about Kobe Bryant. I mean, if you want to go on Twitter and you want to like spew whatever crap you want to say, if you want to say that you didn't like him as a person, you can feel that way. You are you're absolutely entitled to feel that way. But it's just totally disrespectful to go put that stuff out there, you know, one hour, two hour, three hours before the dust even settles. And I mean, imagine like how the how the family is feeling like put yourself in that person's shoes and you're going to bring up like uh transgressions that they made in the past or things that they um did wrong um you know talk about the bad things that a person did it just that just seemed like so out of whack i just wish like people could wait at least like five minutes before showing how woke they are 
you know, that's just my that's just the way I see it. Give it some time. If you nobody's saying you got to feel a certain way, you're perfectly justified feeling however you want to feel, but like at least just like show some respect and give the guy like five freaking minutes before you start going on that going down that road. All right. Anyway, thank you. you, thank you for letting me do that. Um, you. So you want to talk about actual? Why, why don't we talk about the the team, the, the team that Kobe played for, and of course the team that should have drafted him all those years ago, and that's Philadelphia 76ers. Big win for the Sixers on Saturday night. There. Have you ever been more frustrated? I, I I know that like as somebody who who's down covering that team, you're not really supposed to get emotionally invested in the Sixers. Um, just like Anthony and I are not supposed to get emotionally invested in the Flyers, and Bob's not supposed to get emotionally invested in the Phillies. So they did with Gabe, obviously. Maybe not the <laughs> maybe not the Phillies okay, themselves. Yeah. He's not here to answer for himself. So. Yeah, right, right. Um, it, this is a frustrating team because they are the epitome of a of a squad that can drop any game to a lottery bound team, but when they go up against the perennial contenders or at least the teams with the best records in the NBA. They somehow take their game up to an, another level, and this one was especially impressive, not only because they were without Joel Embiid, which is its own thing, but to also be you know, shallow at, at guard with Josh Richardson out at, at a position that they, quite frankly, have no depth at. Starting Shake Milton on a Saturday night uh, if we national TV game against m- the Lakers. Macro perspective, if before the season we said, hey, Sixers are in sixth place going into this game up against a nine-loss Lakers squad— Oh, by the way, Joel Embiid's out, surprise, and Josh Richardson is out, and they have to start Shake Milton. The likelihood that you give them any chance to win that game is 10% less. I mean, something like that, but, you know, people would then point to the fact that, well, Tobias Harris is still out there and he's making a lot of money. Yeah. Al Horford's out there, he's making a lot of money. Ben Simmons is out there. I mean, if this team was as stacked as we thought they would be, or as we thought they were at the beginning of the year, then surely having those three guys should at least make you competitive, and that's exactly what we saw on Saturday night. Horford, Harris, Simmons combined for 73 points on Saturday night. And Horford had a – it was Al Horford 7-0 run against the Lakers, him personally, in the fourth quarter Those back-to-back possessions where he goes – Three, three straight, three straight actually, yeah. yeah. But the, uh, the two where they ran the Brett Brown's favorite play, which is that sort of like uh, it's it looks like an inverted pick and roll kind of a kind of a brush cut. I think I think everybody I know it's a not a visual medium, but if you've watched the Sixers play it all this year, I mean everybody knows what play I'm talking about. You put you space four guys down to the baseline. Ben Simmons is the ball handler in the pick and roll. Horford, Corkmaz, they ran a bunch of it with Corkmaz lately. They ran a ton of it with Reddick last year. He's going to come up and set a screen. He can either slip the screen. He can pop off of it. Ben Simmons, if the defense switches or they blow the defense, he can get one step and he can go downhill. And they ran that play twice in a row, and Horford hits the three-pointer. Uh, he hit another like elbow jumper off of that. It's stuff it, they're able to do. I mean, that's stuff that he was doing. This in is Boston, the stuff that he's know? supposed to do. Yeah, it's what you thought he was going to do. This is the problem. And 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 I guess to be a Sixers fan and and you watch the the last few years, especially that he played with Boston, it always felt like he had his best games against the Sixers. So our I don't know. I think our perception of what he is as a player, we expected him to be that level all the time. And he clearly has lost a step. There's no doubt. And the second that he decided that he was going to wear number 42 as a big free agent signing, I was worried because all I thought about was Elton Brand. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's, he clearly has lost a step. And I wonder if this is a, a situation where this guy 
is still not 100% after an injury earlier this season, but he realizes that if he goes out and your options are Kyle O'Quinn, who's a turnstile, Mike Scott to play any kind of meaningful minutes, who's been god-awful, has been a, what, 20-something, he was a 23% three-point shooter in the month of January as of uh, two games ago, and uh, Jonah Bolden. Like, if, if if this is the depth chart, and you know that the whole reason that you were brought in here was to be the guy who could fill in when Joel Embiid inevitably goes out for an extended period of time with an injury. I wonder if he rushed himself back or if he's out there playing through injuries because he realizes that him even at 60% is still that much better than everyone behind him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was talked about a lot. You know, Horford just didn't look like he was moving the same after he came back from that knee injury, and it wasn't like he was out for that long. Um, So maybe that's why it kind of flew under the radar. But yeah, he just doesn't look like as mobile as he used to. You know, I guess the good thing about Joel Embiid, uh, one of the nice things that you can do without Joel, Joel Embiid there, and you didn't have Norvell Pell because his day, his days have been used up, so they got to convert him or, or or either trade him or do what they do whatever they can do with him. But you can play Ben Simmons as a small ball five. You know, and they did that the other night. They did that in the game prior as well. You know, they ran out of lineup there. They they staggered the the lineups, the rotations a little bit differently. Everybody likes to complain about Brett Brown's rotations. You know read about that on on Twitter as much as anything but he took he took Ben out of the game you know typically he leaves him in for a really long spell in the first quarter but he took him out early and then he brought him back in uh playing with Neto, Corkmaz, Zaire Smith and Mike Scott. So they so they go like that small ball 5 and kind of let him play those minutes. And uh yeah, you, know, you you do replicate a lot of the the Giannis kinds of things that he's able to do where you kind of surround him with smaller guys that can shoot um I think I was I was impressed with just how they held up matchup wise, you know, because with, without Embiid in there, you know, they started Tobias Harris on Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard scored one field goal, took one field goal during the entire the entire night. I mean, Horford had Anthony Davis, uh, Ben Simmons took LeBron, they had Matisse Thybulle, a rookie, on Danny Green, and then he, they just uh, put put shake on Avery Bradley. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it does it does give them that that flexibility to do that to, to play small and to use Ben in a role where he, he can be in the paint without dis- displacing Joel Embiid you know and and what does it look like when he comes back you know it's probably some of the same problems that you had before but I don't, I don't think it's uh you know everybody always wants to overreact and do the well should they trade him trade him they look good without Embiid should they trade him or they look good without Simmons they should trade him or whatever I don't I don't think it's that those two are incompatible it's always I think when you add the third person they would look fine out there with just Simmons and Embiid. They would look fine. They look fine with Simmons and Horford, you know. But it's when you add the third guy in where it gets clunky, you know, because Brett's Brett's always like the, you know, that, that Dario Ursan kind of stretch four, you know, who's okay. Danilo Gallinari like, maybe could be of, <laughs> of, of interest. It's just such a, a Bert, huge contract. Uh, Bertans could be of interest. Davis Bertans. This yeah. is why, and I I am a proponent. And I know that that it's not the most popular opinion. I, I am a proponent. If you were going to try to make this work, if, if you were going to build a regular season team, I think that the way that the Sixers play with Joel out and running this run-and-gun style, surrounding Ben with shooters and, and using the, the solid two-man game that he's got with Al, I think that ends up being a better regular season team because the NBA and the way that, that players kind of mentally check out from game to game is more in line with that kind of style because that's what you see Milwaukee run, right? 
But when you get to the postseason, that's where all of a sudden Joel is is so much more important because we talked about this a few weeks ago, but like the running gun Phoenix Suns teams that were led by Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion, they were incredible open court teams. But when it got to the postseason, they'd go up against San Antonio. What would happen every time? Mm-hmm. Half court offense, yeah, 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 really locking you down. Sometimes sending a, f- a full court press to really get you out of rhythm. You but, can't do what you want to do. You, and, you, yeah. you stylistically have to change. And so I, I think if anything, this should kind of be fuel for Brett Brown to mess with his rotations a bit more when Joel comes back. And, and believe in this kind of a lineup, and hopefully Elton goes out and acquires at least one more shooter of, of some kind of substance, but if if you're able to then bring Joel back in a way where he's only playing, I don't know, 15 minutes a night to start, ramps it up to 25 or so, and depending on the matchup, maybe you're able to give Joel in that first round series or even in the second round, you're able to give him better uh, better stretches of, of, of time off uh, during games to stay fresh because... The ultimate goal here, obviously, is to make and to win the NBA Finals. The The way that this conference is stacked and where this team should finish, they should be able to get home court advantage, at least through the first round, play these kind of lineups with Ben and, and Al as, as focal points, and then get a better conditioned and hopefully healthier Joel Embiid with fresh legs going deeper into the postseason. Like the, yeah. the This team doesn't totally fall off the map when Joel Embiid is out of the game. I think to... You know what? What is Ben Simmons as a small ball five look like? It looks much more like what you saw against the Lakers, and a lot less of what you saw against Toronto, where he only took seven field goals, and they shot forty six three pointers, which is ridiculous. Then people are sitting there saying, "Well, they shot thirty nine percent from three. That's good. That's good. That's very good. I mean, that's very efficient when you look at it from a purely numbers standpoint. But I mean, they only had eighteen points in the paint in that Toronto game. They barely got to the foul line." You know, there's just stuff that you can't really qual- qualify when you're not down trying to bang with guys or even getting into the paint and trying to work over top of them. You're not, you know, you're not getting to the line. You're not putting guys in foul trouble. You're not wearing them down physically. You're not doing a lot of that ancillary stuff. It's kind of hard to quantify, qualify. Um, so I think Ben Simmons as a small ball five looks a lot more like him still attacking to the tune of 15 shots in the Lakers game. He had six points on three or four shooting in the fourth in the in the fourth quarter alone. Three rebounds, three assists, a steal. I mean, he was still very active and aggressive in the fourth quarter. That's still what it has to be. It can't just because you can surround him with four shooters doesn't mean that it's got to be drive and kick every single time down yeah. the floor. You know, Giannis doesn't do that. You know, look at how many field goals he takes. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. It's almost like you got kind of got like uh, two different Sixers teams here. You know, you have that kind of faster, up tempo Ben Simmons led team, and then like you think about the prospect of what this team could look like defensively in the playoffs with a lineup theoretically if you're going you know subbing on offense and defense and you have Simmons out there you have Thibel out there you have Al Horford out Josh there Richardson. you have Josh Richardson and you have Joel Embiid anchoring it i mean that's a team that can play with anybody i think that's why when you say to to your earlier point i think about you know does it frustrate you i mean this team you know plays to the level of competition like they have high, high, their highs are very high. Their ceiling is higher than any team in the conference. Their ceiling, is, yeah, there's just such variation. I, I, I think to sum up the Sixers this year, I don't think I've ever seen a Sixers team that has such a high ceiling, where the variation between the ceiling and the floor is as big as it is. You yeah. know, And that, that bodes well, because if you hit that ceiling and you're playing that way in the playoffs with the way that they, they turn the intensity up on defense in the fourth quarter, I mean, it's like scary to think what they could do with it. It's also critical, and and I don't think this gets enough play. 
this is a massive trade deadline in the legacy of Elton Brand as a front office member in this league because you have to keep in mind that next year Kevin Durant comes back, and we don't know what kind of player he's going to be, but a Brooklyn team led by KD and uh, Kyrie Irving automatically makes them a top two threat, maybe top three threat, depending on how you want to stack these teams. If there's a time to go out and trade assets, if it has to be Zaire Smith, which I, I don't know what his value is right now, if it's trading multiple first-round picks, if it's trading high picks to go out and get, maybe you have to overpay for another shooter. Maybe you have to overpay to get two shooters or get another guard. I, I'm not a huge Derrick Rose fan, but you think of the level of play that Derrick Rose brings to the table over Hal Neto or over a Trey Burke, and all of a sudden... That floor that we're always worried about, that high-variance floor that the team has, all of a sudden that raises up. You don't have those yeah. bottom-out kind yeah. of lineups nearly hurting you as much as they currently do. A lot of this, I think, does fall on Elton Brand because he's the one who built this roster. It's an odd-fitting roster, but it is the perfect kryptonite for Giannis's Milwaukee Bucks. It's true, and they've said... I mean, they said straight up, like, we're trying to win now. We're in it to win now, you know, and they've even without saying that they signaled that when they made the big trades last year. So this year, I think, has to be a continuation of that. I mean, I don't know how you get you can sit pat at the trade deadline and say, well, we don't want to, you know, we want to hang on to our assets. Well, I mean, you don't you, you're either in it or you're not. You know what I mean? It's like you're, it's kind of like a Phillies thing. It's like you're either spending stupid money or you're not. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with that, you know? All right. Uh, We're going to leave it there next week. We'll be back. Don't forget, Friday night out at Odd Logic Brewing Company in Bristol, PA, we'll be doing a live show for Flyers Penguins. So come on out, support. Big thank you to Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glass. To Kevin, to Bob, to Anthony. Talk to you next Monday. Thanks, y'all.